In the following live session recording, Claude King, Discipleship and Church Health Specialist with Lifeway Christian Resources, talks about leading a prayer boot camp for your church or group. Based upon the battle plan for prayer, prayer boot camp is a process to help others experientially learn to pray effectively, specifically, strategically, and scripturally. Let's join Claude now. So, Brother Claude, you come, and, and I appreciate you being here, and, uh, and y'all give him a hand. Thanks, Jack. Uh, it's a privilege for you to get to be back in Georgia and get to hang out with uh, Georgians. I've uh, enjoyed coming every time I get to come. Uh, we're going to be uh, looking at a way you can take a prayer boot camp to your church, so uh, I'll be introducing this to you, and hope it'll be meaningful to you, but uh, we can't start this one without prayer so pray with me (laughs) heavenly father i uh, want to thank you that uh, you so loved us that you sent your only son to die on a cross for us and it was through his uh, death and resurrection that he won victory over the grave he purchased us for you that uh, when he died the veil of the temple was rent in two and from that point forward you've made your very throne room accessible to us you invite us to come there with our requests but we don't have to come timidly because you're a loving heavenly father and you invite us to come with boldness lord we want to be a people of prayer We want to uh, help our churches be a people of prayer. And so I pray that you'll uh, guide our time together tonight. Lord, I I pray that um, this will not just be an informational uh, conference, but it'll be an opportunity for people to have a, a fresh taste of an experience with you. And I pray, Lord, that you'll help us as we go back to our churches to help our churches become houses of prayer for the nations. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Um, How many of you have seen the movie War Room? Would you raise your hand? Uh, Most of you. Uh, Let me play a video clip from War Room for you. Now I ran a sales report from the area. Wrote down the suggested asking price for the house. Well, what do you think? Now, what did you say your husband did for a living? Um, Well, we actually haven't talked about that, but he's a sales rep for Brightwell Pharmaceuticals. Mm -hmm. And uh, where did you say you attended church? Well, we occasionally attend Riverdale Community. Mm -hmm. So you would say you know the Lord? Yes, I would say I know the Lord. You think the Lord is okay with this asking price? Mm-hmm. And you have children? Miss Clara, my husband Tony and I have been married for 16 years. We have one daughter, her name is Danielle, and she's 10. She enjoys pop music and ice cream and jumping rope. Oh, well, that's good to know. Mm-hmm. Now, you say you attend church occasionally. Is that because your pastor only preaches occasionally? Miss <laughs> Clara, I really would like to help you sell your house. That's why I'm here. As far as my faith is concerned, I believe in God, just like most people. 
He's very important to me. Mm -hmm. yeah. Let me get our coffee. <laughs> so if I asked you what your prayer life was like, would you say that it was hot or cold? I don't know that I would say it's hot. I mean, we're like most people. We have full schedules. We work. But I, I would consider myself a spiritual person. I'm not hot, but I'm not cold either. Just, you know, somewhere in the middle. Here you go. I've got cream or sugar if you need. Oh, no, thank you. I like it black. Miss Clara, you like your coffee room temperature? No, baby, mine's hot. <laughs> Elizabeth, people drink their coffee hot or cold, but nobody likes it lukewarm. Not even the Lord. Point taken, Miss Clara. But why do you feel the need to examine my personal life? Because I've been where you are. And you don't have to step on the same landmines that I did. It's a waste of time. And it's asking Christ. It's just fine. <laughs> Let me get you a hot cup of coffee. <laughs> I was a little sneaky last time. <laughs> What landmines do you think I might step on? You tell me. Now, if there was one thing in your life that you could make better, what would it be? Just one? Well, I'd probably have to say my marriage. There's one thing we do well. It's fight. No, I don't think you do. I'm sorry? Just because you argue a lot doesn't mean that you fight well. Every couple has some friction every now and then. But I bet that you never feel like you won after you had an argument with your husband. Can I ask you how much you pray for your husband? Uh, well, very little. Elizabeth, I think it's time for me to show you my favorite place in this house. We shift gears here. Are we going to the prayer room? <laughs> <laughs> or the dance in the kitchen? Now, I need you to volunteer. You said you'd volunteer. Yes, sir. So come up here. Yes, sir. If you'll uh, take your hand out, turn to the center fold in the middle, you'll see a page that looks like this. And uh, this is my learning map. I want you to look under the the heading here, uh, and you see this scale with the question. So, how's your prayer life? I want to ask you to. Uh, you don't have to respond out loud, but is it piping hot over to the right, or icy cold on the left, or like lukewarm coffee somewhere in between? Uh, okay, we can lay this down. I'll tell you more about this in a little bit, but. Um, that's <clears throat> do, do think about that. Um, you know, prayer, prayer in our lives is, uh, at least my experience, I think it's a common experience for a lot of people, is that it's uh, up and down. 
and sometimes it's it's up and more intensive when we're undergoing severe problems you know some there's a desperation in our praying but when things are going well it's easy for us to slack off and prayers not nearly as important as uh, we need it to be and the truth is God's wanting us to be a praying people it cost his son his life on the cross to purchase that privilege for us um, but he also has work for us to do and when we're not praying um, you know, Jesus said pray your kingdom come your will be done that's a partnership we have with God and and uh, we want to see his uh, kingdom come in our lives and in our community and our churches his will to be done so um, we need to have an intensive prayer life and a more effective prayer life uh, back when War Room came out 2015 uh, prior to its release, I had the privilege of preview screening it for uh, 36 groups around the country and um, pretty much had it memorized by then. But uh, every time I'd watch it, I'd think people are going to come out of this film and they're going to come back to their churches saying, you got to teach me to pray like that. There are people who want to learn to pray like Miss Clara. Or there are people like Elizabeth Jordan or Tony who have marriage problems and they realize we've got to learn to pray because we need help. Or there may be parents who have a Danielle, a daughter, that they would love to see her at a young age begin to learn to pray and walk with God intimately. And uh, as I got to thinking about that though, most of the churches I know of, if they had a massive influx of people that said teach us to pray, I don't know that we were ready to, to do that. And so I began to pray about what what kind of do to put in their hands. And um, here we are four years later, and we still got a long way to go. But uh, what I developed is a prayer boot camp uh, using the war room theme. Um, I got to thinking about prayer boot camp. Prayer boot camp is an uh, opportunity for us to introduce people to basic training in prayer and to introduce them to the weapons of our warfare. And um, I uh, have tried to put together some things that I hope will be meaningful to you. And uh, what I'm about to do is, um, is like turning on a fire hose. I'm going to fly through some PowerPoints. But what I want to do is introduce you to the process of a prayer boot camp. Uh, typically what I have been doing over the last four years is uh, going to state conventions and associations and doing prayer boot camps or for regions. I uh, even did one for KSBJ, a radio station in Houston, and they have 1,400 churches they're trying to get to serious about prayer, so I helped them. But um, to create an opportunity for people to get together and experience prayer. And the idea for prayer, actually the idea for a prayer camp, came from Africa. I work with a nonprofit. Uh, I don't work for them. I'm on the board and I get to hear their stories. But uh, Jerry Trousdale, a friend of mine, um, wrote a book a number of years ago. It's called Miraculous Movements, How Hundreds of Thousands of Muslims Are Falling in Love with Jesus. And you may not have heard that on CNN, but God is doing things. Now it's uh, beyond a million that uh, in the churches that Jerry's familiar with, but 
uh, God's doing things. In Sierra Leone in 2011, he and I and a group went on a mission trip to meet with some of the church planters, disciple makers in Sierra Leone and a country that's 80% Muslim, or it was at that time, uh, these guys had started 3,000 churches in six years. Prior to that, for a decade or two, they'd started 12. And all of a sudden, churches started multiplying. So we were interviewing them to find out what God was up to, and, and uh, prayer was a strategic part of that. But one of the things that's happening in Africa is lots of people are coming to faith in Christ out of Muslim backgrounds, out of uh, traditional African religions and uh, animist backgrounds. And uh, the churches realize we've got to teach these people to pray early on. You can't wait because Christian prayer is not the same as Muslim prayer uh, because it's about a relationship with a person. And so what they do is they get seasoned intercessors together with these brand new Christians and they go off to a retreat kind of area and um, they pray a lot. And they pray about all kinds of things. And by the time they finish prayer camp, these uh, uh, brand new Christians come away knowing how to pray. And so I got the idea of a prayer boot camp. Uh, what if we were to get the intercessors, the people who know how to pray, or know how to pray better than others, let's get them together with the people in our church that are wanting to learn how to pray more effectively, or maybe they've never been taught how to pray at all. You stop and think about it. Uh, for a new Christian in your church today, how long would it be before somebody teaches them how to pray? Well, the, the truth is, most people that have learned how to pray in our churches, it's by osmosis. You just come long enough and hear enough prayers that maybe you'll figure it out. But we haven't had that kind of training experience. So, uh, in a prayer boot camp, what I've done is get uh, intercessors together with people who are wanting to learn to pray more effectively and uh, we'll spend um, six to eight hours together. And uh, I found that eight's a little long and people get weary before it's over. Uh, although we got lots to do and they stay awake, they just uh, get drained emotionally from praying that much. Uh, I found that six is a pretty good number. But what I want to do is create an environment where people have meaningful experiences of prayer and then they, uh, they get to the end of the prayer boot camp and say, I want more of this. What do I do next? So what I've, what I've recommend to people is show War Room, again, if you've already shown it to people. And at the end of that, have on your calendar as a church one or maybe multiple prayer boot camps as options for people. You can do small groups of three to five if you wanted to. Or you can do 200 in a fellowship hall and smaller groups, and um, but offer prayer boot camp so when people get to the end of the movie and you give an invitation, say, how many of you would like to learn to pray more effectively? If so, we're going to offer prayer boot camps and invite you to attend one of those. Take, Let them sign up and then do the prayer boot camp. At the end of the prayer boot camp, then you give them some options. If you really enjoyed our times of praying together, we do, do you know we do this every week? at your prayer meeting or whatever you have regular opportunities 
Uh, we can do this in our classes, but you may offer a class on prayer in order to uh, <clears throat> help people learn to pray more effectively. So let me just uh, introduce you to the prayer boot camp, and um, I'll uh, I'll show you how you can. Uh, I think in this description we promised resources, and I'll tell you how to download all of those. One of the things I do in a prayer boot camp, I'm going to get people in smaller groups. So it's not a great big uh, big prayer meeting with lots of people. It's a small group of people. Uh, they sit in same gender groups. And I've had some people kind of get offended at me until I explain it. But I do that because there's some men that would not pray if you put a woman in their group. And there's some women that wouldn't pray if you put a man in their group. Bless their hearts. We'll pray for them. <laughs> And so what I, what I do is I want to remove every possible barrier that would uh, hinder people from having a meaningful experience of prayer. Um, and I get them to do a name tag. I um, have them uh, sit in the same gender groups. And uh, what I've done, I'll explain a little more in a minute, but I use the battle plan for prayer. I forgot to get that one out of here. but The battle plan for prayer book by Stephen and Alex Kendrick is the textbook. You'll see that on the cover of your uh, handout. And uh, I get them to just look at the table of contents to identify um, a few of the chapter titles that intrigue them. Uh, I want to introduce them to this book. We're going to use it during the prayer boot camp. But um, I want them to see that there's a whole lot more in there than we're going to touch on in the prayer boot camp so that they'll go home with an eagerness to to dig into the other things. Uh, Stephen Kendrick was the prayer coordinator, uh, prayer ministry leader at Sherwood in um, Albany. And so uh, he's got a lot of practical insights in that resource that can help people. Uh, I have them share that with their uh, group and that just gets them to talking and looking at the topics. I do an introduction about prayer boot camp and my small groups, I use the term squad. A squad is the smallest fighting group in an army. And um, I encourage you to get um, uh, six to ten. Uh, I say eight is ideal, but it really depends. If you've got some people that are going to do a prayer boot camp with you and they all are, are, are really uh, prayers already, four may be plenty because they want to pray a lot more. Uh, but if I had a group in my church where I've got a lot of people that prayer is relatively new to them and they may not feel comfortable praying out loud, then I probably would shoot for the 10. Uh, and, and I'd try to make sure I've got some seasoned intercessors in each one of the groups so that every group would have some people that will pray. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, in the prayer boot camp, it's basic training on prayer to experience praying together with others and with some who are more experienced intercessors than you. Experience and practice four types of prayer. Identify and avoid ten locks that hinder prayer. Um, and I see you making pictures of this, and that's okay. But you can download this file, and I'll show you where in just a few minutes. So you can have all of it with a script. Uh, identify and utilize 10 keys to effective prayer. Identify and utilize the weapons of our warfare. 
and develop a plan for strategic and spontaneous prayer for ourselves and others. So that's just some of the things we're going to do. In Luke 11, 1, Jesus' uh, disciples came to him after he had been praying. They'd been watching this guy pray, and they begin to make a connection between his prayer and what happens next. Like when he did the feeding of the 5,000, he prayed over five loaves and two fish. And uh, as Mark Croston said, he had a fish fry for 5,000. Uh, but I don't think they were fried. But <laughs> uh, anyway, Jesus' disciples, of all the things they could have asked him, they asked the one thing they did ask him to teach them is teach us to pray. And, um, and so one of the things I do is have uh, the small group, uh, just somebody in your group, lead us today during the prayer boot camp. Lord, would you teach us to pray more effectively today? Um, have a get acquainted time, and that's on page three, I believe, in your handout. Uh, for you to guide them. I don't always, depend on how much time we've got, don't always have um, uh, all four of those questions uh, covered, but we get them to introduce themselves. <coughs> I mentioned the battle plan for prayer is the trade book. We call it a trade book. It's a book you read through. Uh, it's got some things at the end of the chapters and it's got uh, an appendix with tools and things in it but it's full of content and what I've done is designed the prayer boot camp so that uh, you don't have to be the content expert on prayer because I know we've got a lot of churches that if they had to have a prayer expert to lead a prayer event they'd say well um, who's the prayer guy we got to have the prayer guy uh, many years ago, it was a T.W. Hunt, can he come lead us in prayer? Or uh, Don Miller was another prayer guy. And, and, and there were just a few of these guys that would do prayer conferences, and we can't pray, we can't learn to pray more effectively unless we get one of those guys. And uh, so, what, I've incur what I encourage you to do is bring Alex and Stephen Kendrick, let them be the content experts. And so, during the prayer boot camp, we'll have activities where uh, the the squad will uh, read a chapter, and each one of them will read a piece of the chapter, and you'll find they're real short chapters. So they read a piece of the chapter, like uh, ten keys, ten locks that hinder prayer. We're going to look at those in a minute, but each one would read about, uh, if I had five people, it'd say, okay, you read uh, lock number one and two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. After you've read, you all teach each other what you learned. And so that way Alex and Stephen get to be the teachers. They've given us the content. But there's something about you teaching at each other. One, you're, you're learning as you're studying, but when you start verbalizing it, it sticks better. And, uh, and that also frees the facilitator from having to know all of this stuff about prayer and teach it themselves. And uh, so people get engaged with the content that way. There's another battle plan for prayer. It's called the Bible study. And it comes in the lead, uh, a leader kit and has a member book, but it is DVD driven. So the Kendricks have um, uh, eight sessions with about a 20 to 25 minute uh, DVD session on it. And people learn about prayer 
listen to the DVD and then they have homework assignments during the week. I did that one in my own church and um, I, you know, I, I've been around T.W. Hunt and Don Miller and guys like that for a long, long time and, and I, I thought, you know, this is kind of basic training stuff and there's one lady in my group that every week she'd come in and she's just beaming. She said, I'm learning so much about prayer, this is wonderful. She said, but my, my husband's babysitting our three kids so that I can attend this class. And she said, so uh, he's wanting to know when are you going to offer the next class because I've got to babysit so he can come. And uh, I haven't done the next class, but she finally gave up and said, can I borrow your kit? I've got to lead this group myself. So, um, but it is, uh, the reason I don't use this in the prayer boot camp is that it's DVD driven. And I want this to multiply, and so uh, use this book with the content, and engage it engages people. They're not just listening; they're uh, actively involved in the process. Uh, some churches, though, after they've done a prayer boot camp, what they do is use this as their follow-up study. So people finish the prayer boot camp, and you give another invitation. If you're interested in learning to pray more effectively then sign up for the Battle Plan for Prayer Bible Study that we'll be conducting over the next eight weeks at such and such a time. Uh, one of the things I've done in my prayer boot camps, what I've done, I, I normally ask the state conventions and associations, invite people to come and uh, experience a prayer boot camp. So get a church to send two or three people from their, prayer, from their church and allow them to experience prayer boot camp and then they're going to take it home to their church. And um, I had four ladies from Burnt Hickory uh, where Alan, um, I thought he was going to be in here, um, Alan uh, Folsom is uh, on staff there now, but uh, four ladies from Burnt Hickory attended prayer boot camps and then they said we can take it from here and they did multiple prayer boot camps in their church and a former member heard about it and said, uh, could you come to, I think it was Panama City or Pensacola one, uh, could you come and, and do a prayer boot camp for us in our region? And somebody gave them a billboard, so they sent me a picture of this great big electronic billboard advertising a prayer boot camp uh, in their city. So um, anyway, this would be a tool that you could use uh, following the prayer boot camp. Um, I have this activity where you just share a report about the three chapter titles that uh, intrigued you most. Uh, the centerfold that I showed you, I call this my learning map for the prayer boot camp. I had a bivocational African American pastor in Houston. It took me out to eat after a, I'd done a conference in Houston and, uh, and he told me he's a corporate trainer. He works for uh, companies like uh, Shell and Exxon and Aetna and he, he only does uh, training for them though if he can have a sit down with the CEO and he said normally a training team will come to me and ask me to do a conference for them and, and I say well I've got to have a meeting with your CEO they said no they don't uh, we don't do that at our place and he said well then I'm not your guy and he winds up meeting with the CEO <laughs> Uh, but anyway, he uses learning maps to do his training. And when he showed me what he was doing, I thought this is a brilliant idea. Uh, a lot of elementary school teachers, they know what learning maps are. But uh, essentially, this is my low-tech PowerPoint. 
And I showed you the the version of it we held up a few minutes ago, the banner. You can print it out in a banner, hang it up on the wall, and you can do a prayer boot camp without the technology. Uh, you could just walk around the learning map, and each of the icons represents a learning activity or a prayer experience. And I found that it's been really meaningful in several settings. One, when I'm uh, maybe I don't have as much time and I just am going to have to kind of edit my session depending on how much time we have and we may take longer in one area than another and I can move around the learning map and I can skip things and people won't pay attention. But if I'm going through PowerPoint and I'm skipping things, they, uh, they feel rushed or hurried or frustrated. Uh, it also helps when you go to a place like a prison where you can't carry your computer in. And uh, you can do it in a prison or a, uh, a jail. And uh, you can also, uh, by the way, print the, you can print the handout, the learning map. You can do a, a tabloid size and just this is the take-home piece. And once people have prayed through this and experienced it, they can re review their conference they can use this as a prayer to even. So uh, that's the idea of the learning map. Now the Kendricks use, um, uh, use an ACTS acronym to teach about prayer. And uh, don't peek, but uh, I want to give you a pretest. Uh, some of you have been taught to pray using this acronym. What does the A stand for? Adoration, Adoration and the C. Confession. Confession and the T, Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving and the S, supplication. supplication. When was the last time you heard that taught in your church? I, I, I don't remember in the last 25 years anybody's done this in my church. So, uh, by the way, you all scored 100. Good job. But the, the Kendricks uh, use this ACTS acronym, and you'll notice that the learning map is organized that way. A for adoration, C confession, T thanksgiving, S supplication. And so through the prayer boot camp, we're going to do some prayer experiences related to adoration and worship, praise. Uh, one of the chapters in the book that we, you can do a study on is it deals with the four types of prayer. So you would have so you, you got the same five people, you study A, C, T, S, you get to pick which one you want to study, and you can be a duplicate. Okay, so they teach each other then uh, what they are learning about these four types of prayer. My prayer boot camps, I normally skip that one because I've got leaders who are prayers that are going to re replicate this, but uh, in a local church, you've got people in your church that ne nobody's ever taught them this. And they don't know how to do this. And it's just really basic for a lot of us. But for a lot of people, this is foreign, uh, foreign territory. And so what we're wanting them to do is experience adoration and experience confession and experience thanksgiving and experience supplication uh, together with other believers who know how to pray. Um, I've divided the prayer boot camp into modules and uh, they're not all equal in length so it's not like you can do one a week or something like that but uh, I've designed the prayer boot camp so that you can it, it can be flexible for how you want to use it 
So uh, some of these modules could be a standalone piece that you wouldn't, you don't need to do anything else, but just that one thing. I'll show you a few of those. Uh, in other cases, uh, people have done uh, an all-day prayer boot camp. Uh, people have done a half-day prayer boot camp. I've done it in a weekend experience where a church had a Friday night through Saturday night and we wrapped up on Sunday morning. Uh, I've done a prayer revival kind of thing where we met three nights in a row for two hours and had basically it wasn't preaching and teaching, it was uh, praying. And uh, it was an African American church and they had a hundred people every night. And uh, so uh, you can do it in a prayer revival kind of setting. It's also the kind of thing that a pastor, any of you pastors, several of you, uh, a pastor can do this in a prayer meeting and uh, just have a different module each week to bring fresh insights about how we pray uh, and and to guide meaningful prayers that, you know, sometimes our prayer meetings have become, uh, I've heard it jokingly said, organ recitals. It's just about the sick people and all of the things, and it's not bad to pray for sick people. But we don't pray for uh, some things that are maybe even far more significant and have eternal uh, consequences. And uh, we're not praying for each other and some of the significant issues that we're dealing with in our own lives. And so uh, you could use this to begin to help your church pray more effectively and just do, do uh, a module uh, over a period of weeks to get through a prayer boot camp. The first module is on adoration. And I have an activity, if you'll turn to page two in your uh, handout. <clears throat> Some of you have studied Experiencing God may recognize this activity. Um, but uh, the Kendricks have, uh, by the way, uh, the Kendricks, if you look on your uh, learning map, there are page numbers. It says P, uh, BP, that stands for the Battle Plan for Prayer. And those are page numbers so that uh, you can make reference on your learning map to where we are in the book. But the Kendricks have a, a chapter on uh, names of God. They have an appendix with a list of names of God and how those can be used in prayer. But what I do in this activity is I ask people to, uh, to take a few minutes and just read through this list of names of God. You'll notice there's some for the Father, some for the Son, some for the Holy Spirit, underline the names of God by which you have come to know Him by experience. So you underline those names and then have you come back and say, now pick one of those names where you could tell the story of how you experience God that way. The whole idea in experiencing God, the message uh, that I worked on with Henry Blackaby and um, the reality is God wants us to experience Him. And it's uh, to know God, uh, in Hebrew thinking, you don't come to know Him just to know about Him. It's not just an intellectual thing like, I know that George Washington was the first president of the United States. That's an intellectual knowledge. That's not what we're thinking about. Uh, to come to know God, you come to know Him when you experience Him. And um, so we tell let each other share their stories. One of the stories I share, one of my favorite names of God, comes in Genesis chapter 16. 
Uh, you remember God had made a promise to Abraham and Sarah to give them a son. And uh, Abraham was going to be the father of a nation. And um, 12 years into the promise, Sarah is getting older. By now, she's 77. Still no son. And so she begins to think, maybe God needs some help. So she comes up with a plan. Uh, tell you what, I'm, uh, Abraham, I'm going to give my servant Hagar to you as a wife. And um, you can have a son through her. And I'll take her baby away from her. And I'll raise her baby as my baby. And Abraham agreed to the plan. And Hagar knew the plan. And uh, she becomes pregnant. And she feels used. And she despises Sarah because she knows that Sarah's going to take my baby away from me. I'm just a, I'm just a pawn in this game. And, and she hates Sarah for what she's planning to do. And Sarah begins to so mistreat Hagar that she runs into the desert for her life. Probably assuming I'll die out here. But that would be better. So here's a woman who's been used and abused and she's running for her life and um, out in the desert God comes to her and God says hey guard the son that's in your womb is going to be the father of nations I want you to go back and submit to Sarah but I'm going to take care of you and she gives God a new name that day it's the only time it appears in the scripture he's the God who sees me and I realized when I read that story um, God's a God who sees. He knows what's going on with us. He cares. And he can do something about it. And, uh, and I, when you think about Hagar's story, you realize when, when you're at the end of your rope emotionally, you seem like there's no hope left, and you don't know where else to turn, and you feel hopeless and uh, alone. God still knows where you are, and he cares. Well, I knew that when I read it in my one-year Bible. I was uh, T.W. Hunt that recommended in Disciples Prayer Life that you ought to keep a list of names of God. So all of those names in the back of the Experiencing God book, that's where they came from. I read the one-year Bible, and I'd put an N in the margin every time I came across a name, and I'd underline them, and, and that's where the names came from. Well, I had read Hagar's story in Genesis 16. February came along. My daughter, youngest daughter, had a birthday party to go to, so I took her and dropped her off, and I had a couple of hours before I had to come back. And uh, I love to get out in the woods and just walk and talk with my Heavenly Father, and I don't get to do that much. You know, it's different than just uh, praying through a prayer list in your uh, war room or uh, in a chair, wherever. Uh, I love to get out in the woods, and so I thought, I'm going to go spend some time with my Heavenly Father. So I got in my car, drove out of my subdivision, I turned left to head toward Walter Hill because uh, the river's down that way. And I, I didn't have a specific place I was going to. On my way to Walter Hill, I saw a street sign that said Cherry Lane and I thought, I don't know if I've ever been down Cherry Lane. I wonder what's down this way, so I hung a left. I drove about a mile, hit a T intersection, I had to turn. I started to turn left, but I thought, well, the river's over to the right, I think I'll turn right. So I turned right. I drove another mile, hit another T-intersection. I started to turn right, and then I thought, I think I'll turn left. So I turned left. All, for me, haphazard turns. I drove by a little park on the side of the river called Nice's Mill. Now, there used to be an old grist mill there. And I remember my dad used to bring me fishing here when I was a little kid. 
And I thought this would be a great place to spend some time with my Heavenly Father. So I pulled into the park and uh, there was an old beat up green car in the parking lot and I didn't pay a lot of attention. But uh, I went off to pray. About 10 minutes later I heard footsteps. And I turned around and looked and coming my way was a great big hulk of a guy. He was dressed in a blue work uniform, you know, the lighter blue shirt, dark navy pants. Uh, blue baseball cap on his grease. He looked like an auto mechanic, you know, the name on the pocket. And um, long, unkept hair. And I didn't know what was about to happen to me out here in the woods with this guy all by myself. But when Steve began to talk, I realized this guy's in trouble. And he told me how not long before his father had died. And he said during the Christmas holidays, my mom was diagnosed with cancer and she doesn't have health insurance. And he said, I'm working three jobs trying to make enough money to provide for my mother, mother's health care. And he told me about his jobs. He said, one of my jobs, I'm a tow truck operator. And he said, my job is to pick up repossessed cars. He said, people don't like me. They throw rocks and bottles and bricks at me. And he showed me a saying where somebody had shot him not long before. And, um, and he said, I'm working all the time. And he said, I'm really getting concerned about my 17-year-old boy. He said, I've been raising him as a single parent because my wife and other son got killed by a drunk driver eight years ago. And, and I've been trying to take care of my son and raise him, but now I'm working all the time. And he's 17, I'm afraid he's gonna get into trouble and there's nobody to supervise him and I don't know what I'm gonna do. And he's just dumping all of these problems on me and I realize that God had directed every one of my turns that morning to bring me here to talk to Steve. So I asked Steve about his relationship with the Lord. And he said, well, uh, when I was 19, I got drafted to go to Vietnam. And he said, I wasn't sure whether I'd come back dead or alive. And he said, I, there were some things I felt like I needed to experience. And he said, I wound up in the Rutherford County Jail. And he said, a, pre a layman, Presbyterian layman came and told me about Jesus. And I got saved. And he said, I went on to Vietnam, and he said, um, I was a prisoner of war. He said, that's the reason I've got this long hair, because the Vietnamese cut my ears off, and I've grown this long hair to keep from offending people. And, and um, I said, well, uh, Steve, what's your relationship with the Lord like today? And he said, well, I don't get to go to church very often because of my work, but he said, every morning I get up and I fall on my knees and I ask God to help me make it through one more day. And he said, every evening when I get home late at night, I fall on my knees and ask God to help me make it. I thank God for helping me make it through one more day. And I realized here's a child of God who's overwhelmed with problems and he thinks he's all alone. And so I told Steve about Hagar's story and the God who sees me. And I told Steve about my haphazard turns that morning and I said, Steve, I believe God directed every one of those turns and he brought me here because you're his son. And uh, you're going through hard times and he brought me here to let you know he knows what's going on with you and he cares. And uh, you don't have to go through this alone. He's going to walk with you through all of these problems you're facing. And his countenance changed and he said, you know, I got in from work at, at 1 or 2 o'clock this morning and I couldn't sleep. And he said, I came out here to go fishing. He said, I haven't been fishing in 17 years. And, uh, and he said the fish weren't biting and I was just sitting in my car till you drove up and he realized God brought him there and had him wait until I could get there so we could get together. <laughs> and 
so we had a time to talk and I prayed with him and uh, then he said, you know, I, I got to go to work and he uh, shook my hand, thanked me and took off. So I'm praying again. About 10 minutes later, I hear footsteps and here comes Steve and he shook my hand like a pump handle. And he said, I can't thank you enough. Today's been the most meaningful day of my life. Well, what happened that day? Steve and I experienced the God who sees. Now, I tell a story to model, and I don't model it very well because I tell a lot of details, but then I have you in, a, in your squad tell your story. Pick one name of God and tell how you came to know Him that way by experience. And it's not unusual for there to be tears around the room. Even men, if, if, if my host doesn't follow my instructions and put a box of Kleenex tissue on every table, people are running to the restroom or to grab napkins for, uh, for the tears. But um, what happens is this. We get through with that sharing activity, and then what's our prayer topic? Adoration. And then I ask them, now I want you to go to a time of prayer and um, I want you to tell the Lord how much you love Him. I want you to praise Him for who He is. That's the adoration part. But say, you, uh, I'm going to give you permission to skip over into the Thanksgiving side too because you can't help but thank Him for what He has done, what He's revealed Himself to you and how He's blessed you. And so well, we have a time of prayer now what happens with that experience is that once we get our focus on God and what He's done for us and it touches our hearts and it may be your story that really grips me. I've heard some amazing stories through the years just listening to groups sharing around the tables and uh, there have been a few of my prayer boot camps where all of the tables people are in tears all over the room and then when we pray, our prayers don't come out of our head, they come out of our hearts. And that's where adoration ought to come from. Uh, you remember Jesus said, uh, these people worship me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me? That's not acceptable worship. That's not acceptable praise. God's wanting it to come from our hearts. And so when we let people connect with what God's done for us, it's going to be a different kind of prayer. And I want people to experience what adoration and praise ought to be so that uh, they don't get satisfied with just, well, here's a list of attributes of God. I praise you for this one and this one and this one, and we're going down the list, and it's not getting our hearts. Uh, so that's a prayer of adoration. I do the lukewarm coffee scene, and, uh, and then we do the uh, scale. And you'll notice that we're moving in the learning map, we're moving across toward confession. And so uh, this is the beginning of the confession time. I actually will ask them, I want you to share with your group. By now we've gotten acquainted, we've told each other stories, we know each other, we've been crying together and praying together already. Now I want you to confess to your group, where, where's your prayer life? Uh, is it piping hot? Icy cold or somewhere in the middle, like lukewarm coffee. And I've had I've had people on all all across that scale. Um, I think a lot of my prayer life stays right in here too too long, uh, where I, I'm I'm not lukewarm, but I know I've I've prayed more intensely at times than I'm praying now, and I I want to get there. 
Uh, you, it's hard to manufacture that, but um, but I want that kind of prayer. Well, I ask people to just share where you are without explanation, and then uh, somebody lead your group in prayer. Lord, would you heat up our prayer life? And uh, there there's some people in the room that uh, their their prayer life right now may be pretty hot. But I have never known a genuine intercessor or prayer warrior that's satisfied. Uh, even if they're on this part of the scale, they want more. <laughs> Give me more, Lord. And so uh, let's pray that God will uh, help us to experience an intensity in our prayer uh, that's different. And then we share that with our squad and have a time of prayer. Uh, the third module is uh, devoted to prayer and I, I pull this one in what I do is show one session of the battle plan for prayer Bible study on video uh, I do this partly because I'm introducing the prayer boot camp and the resources to people who will go back and lead it in their churches and I want them to get to see a segment of the video to decide would this be practical and helpful in our church uh, if you're going to do a prayer boot camp and your follow-up plan does not include doing this video study, you don't have to show it. You don't have to buy the kit. But um, if after you've seen it, you think, you know, this might be meaningful, let's give multiple options to people about ways they can get engaged with prayer. So we watch that and ask people to take notes during the session, during that video, what were the important statements, meaningful scriptures, and encouraging stories you heard. And uh, for instance, uh, Stephen and Alex, uh, Stephen uses the uh, analogy or the metaphor of um, uh, prayer is the wind in the sails. Uh, you think about a ship with a sail on it and it's not going anywhere without wind. And so prayer is the wind in the sails. He talks about their own family and the way, as, a, as he was growing up, he said it was like God was laying tracks in front of a moving train. You know, there's a train going down the tracks, and you think, Lord, we need some help here. And God would put tracks in place just in time when they got to the place they needed those things. So there are things like that in there. Um, they interview a number of different uh, other people that are prayer leaders. Doug Smalls, a friend of mine, and he says... Um, you know, you learn to pray best by praying. And uh, and you learn to pray uh, e even better when you're praying with somebody who's got prayer fire in their soul. And uh, Doug's one of those guys, he's got prayer fire. And uh, I love getting in meetings where we're praying together. Uh, you learn to pray. So you share those things and then uh, have a time to pray and uh, give people, you can pray all of these. So. You know, you hear, hear something in this video and it may be you confess your sin. Lord, I'm not like, I haven't been praying like I need to. Or maybe you praise the Lord for who He is and how He's revealed Himself or you thank Him for something He's done or it may be the Lord prompts you to pray for a circumstance in, uh, in your own life or circum church or whatever. Uh, so you pray with that. Uh, module number four. I'm going to get to a prayer time in a minute, I hope. Uh, module number four, uh, battle plan assignments. And I mentioned to you, these are where we use the battle plan for prayer book. 
and have uh, actually four of these assignments. Most of the prayer boot camps I do, we don't get to all of them. Uh, but this actually is a model as well. You could do 37 of these and do a prayer boot camp, extend it for a year probably uh, because there's so much content in the book. But the first one deals with the four types of prayer. And uh, sometimes what I'll do is divide a squad into half and have one half of the squad will do the study on four types of prayer and the other half will study the ten locks that hinder prayer and then at the appropriate times coming up they teach each other and that that just allows me to get the, tr the reading done more quickly than doing these uh, separately. Um, we deal with the four types of prayer so whoever read about adoration uh, will give us a brief summary of what that kind of prayer is. Maybe an example. Same thing for confession, thanksgiving, and supplication. So they'll teach people and then, then we'll have uh, time for maybe sentence prayers. I talk about sentence prayers. A lot, of, a lot of people haven't really been taught to pray effectively. The only prayer they've heard in the worship service is either a rote prayer just before the offering and uh, we thank God for his provision and for the offering use it to the furtherance of your kingdom amen and you know they hear that all the time or they may, may hear a, a lengthy prayer um, a lot of our prayer meetings what we do is we take prayer requests for most of the hour or however much time we've got and then we say uh, somebody lead us in prayer and Prayer number one prays everything on his list. And all the rest of us are checking those things off mentally. And then prayer number two prays what's left on his list. And prayer number three prays what's left on his list. And prayer number, I think we covered it all. And number four and, says amen. <laughs> and we're done. And that's not corporate prayer. That's really a collection of individual prayers. And if we can help people learn to experience uh, conversational prayer where you don't hog the conversation, this isn't a monologue. Everybody gets to be involved and you can pray sentence prayers, pray about one topic at a time, you can pray for each. You know, once you, you pray, I may bounce off of that and pray a related prayer that that sparks in my mind. So we, anyway, we uh, do a time of prayer for that. Uh, module number five deals with confession, and um, I'm going to do a, a quick activity with you. Uh, I need ten volunteers, and since there's so few of you here, I, er, nearly everybody's going to get, I need you to read a scripture for me. Uh, volunteers, okay. I need ten of you, or we'll uh, have to start duplicating. I got three more. Okay, there's one, two, and who's going to take my last one? Here we go. Great. Okay, now, what we're going to do is, uh, uh, typically when I do a prayer boot camp, I call the volunteers up to the front. Normally we'll need a mic or something. And uh, I thank the volunteers for volunteering, and then the rest of you are going to get to take a test. And so we're going to do a test here. And what we're going to do, uh, the volunteers have these uh, scriptures that are on the ten locks. And these are ten topics, ten things that hinder our prayer. Now if we're wanting to become more effective in our prayer life, 
And God has already told us, if you do these things, it's going to hinder your prayer life. It would behoove us to decide to get rid of the things that will hinder our prayer. So we want to identify what are those things that God's already told us. Don't do this if you want to have an effective prayer life. So uh, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to ask those of you who have the scriptures to read them. And then the rest of us, we're going to match those with the ten locks. Listen to the titles. Uh, no relationship to Jesus. An unrepentant heart. Praying for show. Repetitive and empty words. Prayers not prayed. A lustful heart. Mistreating your spouse. Ignoring the poor. Bitterness and unforgiveness. Or a faithless, unbelieving heart. Okay? Now, uh, item number one, Matthew 6, 5. Who has that one? Would you read it for us? When you pray, you are not to be as the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and on the street corners in order to be seen by men. Truly I say to you, they had their reward in full. Okay, which one does that go with? Praise. Number three, praying for show. Next, Matthew 6, 7, and 8. When you are praying, do not use meaningless repetition as the Gentiles do, for they suppose that they will be heard for their many words. Therefore, do not be like them, for your Father knows what they need. Therefore, before you ask them. Okay, which ones that go with? Number four, repetitive empty words. James 4, 3. Yes, and receive not, because you ask amiss, that ye may consume it upon your lust. Okay. Number six, a lustful heart. You pray with impure, wrong motives, selfishly. Don't expect God to answer those prayers. Uh, next, we're going to look at James uh, 1, 6 through 8. Let him ask in faith without any doubting. For the one who doubts is like the surf of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man expect that he will receive anything from the Lord, being a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. Okay. Number 10, a faithless, unbelieving heart. Don't expect an answer to your prayers. Uh, next is James 4.2. You are envious and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. Okay. Five. Number five, prayer's not prayed. If you don't pray it, don't expect God to answer that one. <laughs> uh, you have not because you ask not. Um, next, uh, Proverbs 21, 13. He who shuts his ear to the cry of the poor will also cry himself and not be answered. Okay, that's number eight, ignoring the poor. You know that one's in there? Uh, next, John 14, 6. Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Okay. Number one, no relationship to Jesus. He is the one who's provided access to the Father. And we only can come to him, come to the Father through him. Uh, next is 1 Peter 3, 7. Your husbands likewise live with your wives in an understanding way, as with a weaker vessel, since she is a woman. Grant her honor as a fellow heir of the grace of life, so that your prayers may not be hindered. Okay. 
Number seven, mistreating your spouse. I usually comment, now ladies, I know you're saying, he said men, I love your, uh, don't mistreat your wife. Well, there's a principle there. It applies both ways, men, he said men. Uh, so uh, we didn't need to treat our spouses correctly. Uh, Psalm 66, 18. If I regard wickedness in my heart, the Lord will not heal. Okay, if I regard or hold on to wickedness. Number two, an unrepentant heart. Yes. And then finally, Mark 11, 25 and 26. Whenever you stand praying, forgive if you have anything against anyone, so that your Father also who is in heaven may forgive you your transgressions. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father who is in heaven forgive your transgressions. Okay. Number nine, bitterness and unforgiveness. Now, what happens when we go through this list is you may begin to realize, you know, there's a reason there that my prayers aren't being answered. If you're holding on to bitterness and unforgiveness, is that sufficient reason for God to say, I'm not listening to your prayer? Sure is. If you're holding on to your sin, you regard iniquity in your heart, and, you, and God says, I'm not listening to your prayer, or you're doubting, or you're ignoring the cries of the poor, all of these things. Now what we do is uh, after we've done my test, by the way, Jack, could you collect my cards for me because I'm going to need those for the next time and I don't want to reprint them. I need ten of those, please. Um, we, uh, we go to a time of confession. Uh, actually, well, this is my abbreviated, uh, uh, I don't think I've got everything in here, but Normally what I would do is, uh, a after we've done our matching exercise, I would have the group that read the ten locks that hinder prayer in the book, take some time to teach each other what you've learned about that lock, and then we move to this time of prayer. And the uh, prayer of confession, this one is a private prayer. You don't need to tell anybody else, necessarily but uh, confess to the Lord, and the word confess means to agree with or say the same thing. We confess to the Lord our sin, uh, but it's not just to tell Him we're sorry, we need to repent. We need to decide, Lord, I want to be different. I want to quit doing that. Uh, the next one we do, I have a similar activity with 10 keys, that uh, these are promises that unlock the power of effective prayer. But rather than the matching exercise, though you could do a matching exercise, but for that one, uh, what we do is a, a worship experience. And uh, Kenny Heath back there, his uh, mom was on staff with me at Two Rivers Baptist Church. And I remember one of our staff meetings, there was a lady named Paula Parrish, and she did an activity for our staff meeting where we created a litany. And uh, that stuck with me for a long, long time. That was back in the 70s. <laughs> so uh, what, what I've done here is a litany. And what we do, a litany is where a worship leader maybe would make a statement and then the choir or the congregation would respond with the refrain. And so it just goes back and forth. It's kind of like a responsive reading but there's a, the refrain is repeated each time. So what we do is we read these uh, passages of Scripture that are powerful prayer promises, like um, uh, when, when God says uh, we pray 
according to his will. He hears us or we, uh, we can have confidence because we know he hears us and he answers our prayers or he says ask and you'll receive, knock, uh, ask, seek and knock. And um, so we read those promises and after each one as a choir, we, uh, the congregation responds, Oh Lord, all your promises are faithful and true. And you say that over and over again after you hear all of these promises of the Lord and you realize, you know, that that's true. He's a promise-keeping God. And uh, then we have a time to, um, uh, to pray, to thank the Lord. Uh, you'll notice also on your target uh, another activity. I don't always have time for this, but I have a little box there that says, Count Your Blessings. Uh, the chorus, or the refrain from that song, count your many blessings, name them one by one, and it'll surprise you what the Lord has done. I just ask people to turn to a blank page and start making a list of some of the things God's done for you. And you start making a list of those things and, and then um, have a time to just take turns thanking the Lord for what He has done uh, and His bounty toward us. Uh, module number six, the Kendricks give us this. It comes out of the Battle Plan for Prayer Bible Study. Um, and they give us this as a, a way to develop a strategy for prayer. And um, what uh, the way it's designed, this is a target like you'd use for gun practice or a bigger one you'd use for archery practice. You'll notice that the circles have the crosshairs of a scope as if you're looking for a scope. And it divides these concentric circles into 12 segments. And the idea is to develop a prayer strategy using this tool. And I've uh, developed a sample for you that is on page four. Is that where it is? Okay, page four. And. Um, in just a moment, I'm going to let us practice with this one. But uh, you'll notice when you're putting together your strategy, you put the topic you're going to pray for in the center of the circle. Um, you could put a lost person in the center of your circle. If you're doing who's your one, well, how am I going to pray? And you come up with the different ways you're going to pray, things you're going to pray about, scriptures, promises you're going to claim, whatever. You'll put those. Well, I chose the topic to pray for other believers as a sample. Now, I want, you, I want to share with you the topics, but pay attention to the fact that these are informed by Scripture. So I know I'm praying according to God's will. These are things He wants from us, that we would abide in Christ, have wholehearted love for Him, surrendered to His Lordship, united and in one accord, devoted to prayer, filled with the Spirit, holy and pure, obedient, abundantly fruitful, spiritual worshipers, generous givers, faithful witnesses. Uh, notice I put the, I used up my extra space, fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Some of the many one another's that we would love one another as He's loved us. Serve one another out of love. Forgive one another. Encourage one another. Comfort one another. Accept one another as I have accepted you, so that we'll be transformed into the image of Christ. Now that's just an example, but then we, uh, once I've put that together, I can stick this in a notebook or in my Bible, and I can pray this uh, persistently, consistently. You'll notice I'm praying specifically. I'm praying scripturally. It's been 
informed by Scripture, uh, and I can pray strategically so that I'm not just uh, bouncing around. I'm praying for specific strategic outcomes uh, in praying for my church. This could be the kind of thing that as a pastor you could put this together with your congregation on a Wednesday night and let them come up with the topics you're going to pray for and then now let's pray. And uh, we don't have a whole lot of time left but I want us to spend a few minutes together. Uh, let me ask you to uh, get in groups of about five or six or whatever. Just stand up close to people near you and uh, use this as a model and just pray a few of these things. You can pray one and let somebody else pray one. Uh, but let's take a few moments to just begin using this tool to pray for other believers. You can personalize this and say, Lord, my church is needing unity. Would you bring us together, make us one in you? So take a few minutes to pray, and I'll interrupt you in just a few moments, and we'll close out our session together. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the privilege we have of prayer. And as we think uh, we just gotten a taste of praying for other believers, I pray, Lord, that you will uh, draw us to yourself and encourage us to pray more effectively and more fervently and more specifically and scripturally and specifically for uh, fellow believers in our own church, for other believers around us, that, Lord, our nation is in moral decay and uh, it's a desperate time spiritually and I pray Lord that you would uh, help us to pray more effectively that we as your people will be the salt and the light you've created us to be for the sake of our nation for the sake of your kingdom and Lord we uh, pray that you would uh, work in us and raise up a people that will be the kind of people of prayer you need us to be. I ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Just before we dismiss, let me just mention to you, I told you that you can download all of my files. If you look at page 5 in your handout, there's uh, my contact information there, and uh, the last line is my video blog address. If you go to blog.lifeway.com forward slash disciples. There's a tab at the top of the page. It says Prayer Boot Camp. You go to that tab. There's a video clip about six minutes long. tells you about Prayer Boot Camp. You can skip that because you've already heard more than that uh, tonight. And then down at the bottom, there's some instructions. And at the bottom of the page, you can download all of the files I can think of that you might need. And so there's a, a leader's guide in there. I've got the handout that you'd print out and have each group to do the battle plan for prayer studies. Uh, I've got the cards for you to print out so you can do the 10 locks and the 10 keys and, and do like I did with the reading exercise. Um, I've got promotional material so you can do a flyer or there's artwork in there if you want to customize your own for a bulletin or whatever. I've got a handout version that's in eight and a half by eleven. If you don't want to print it in a, a legal size, the eight and a half by fourteen—that's what you have in your hand. Um, so I've tried to think through everything that you might need. Uh, what I've encouraged you to do on that instructions is read the leader's guide first, uh, because if you'll read it, it'll answer your questions. There's also in the PowerPoint. You can download the PowerPoint. Uh, in the PowerPoint are notes 
You can uh, edit those. You can, uh, I've actually got it set so you can print them out in a script. So you can have it in your, uh, in a notebook or you can just follow along in the script. I uh, don't have it, well, I don't have it in here. But anyway, you can print out the, the PowerPoint. You can print out the notes. You can edit the script so you can make this your own and uh, use it with your church. And I would encourage you to do that. I've had people take it on mission field. Uh, some of you know Mark Mirza, he's done two in Kenya. Uh, had a director of missions, took it to Alaska. And the uh, Inuit people, the ladies uh, that he was working with, because the men were hunting caribou that day, um, they said, we've never been taught to pray like this before. All we pray for is food and uh, health. Can we pray like this all the time? <laughs> and uh, he said, yes. And they said, now you got to have to come back when the men are home so you can teach them because they need to learn to pray like this. And they're not going to learn from the women. <laughs> and so um, anyway, take it, use it uh, however you can, adapt it. You can uh, print out all of those things and you have copyright permissions. Uh, so uh, have fun with it. Thank you for coming tonight. And um, you've got my contact information if you need uh, need me. Oh, let me show you. Uh, as you're leaving, let me show you one other thing. These are some other things we didn't get to. The RESPOND acronym, how to deal with sin. But um, I wanted to show you this. I did a prayer boot camp, or a prayer boot camp at a, a weekend in Florida. And uh, they asked for us to do something with the children. A lady developed a prayer boot camp for children. And the, the craft activity, they took these uh, display boards and made a portable prayer closet so that they wow. used the same ACTS acronym and they learned how to pray and memorize scripture, sing songs, play games. And then the parents get a note. Uh, they've studied the same thing. Here's how you can help your children use their portable prayer closet to learn how to pray. So um, anyway, um, Thank you for coming. Thank you. Good night.